everybody, and welcome to What's On Draft, the podcast where we each draft five picks around a prompt we've written from books, music, movies, TV shows, or anything else in the universe. And you, the listener, if you choose to accept this mission, tell us whose picks are the best. My name is Paul, and I'm joined this evening by my usual co-hosts, Cameron and Michael. Guys, how's it going? I'm doing good. I'm a little tired. I had a busy day. I was all over town. I had to go drop a car off to get fixed, and I was trying to get somebody to take me. I called a bunch of friends, like everybody in my phone book. I was Even the people I hated, I like asked them. I was like, can you take me? And they were like, no, no, no. Uh, so then finally I found some random guy to take me. Uh, but I got there and I got back, so I'm, I'm doing pretty well now. I'm also doing pretty good. I'm also worn out. Uh, I had to drive all the way to Fayetteville to uh, pick up this guy from <laughs> mechanics. <laughs> Uh, tough racket. tough. Uh, uh, so it was funny. So we, we drove all the way down there and we ate lunch and then we're heading back north and halfway right. home. About halfway there. <laughs> he got a text message saying it was done. <laughs> so he turned right back around. <laughs> yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. So it was tough. I, uh, I left it. 10 45 and i didn't get back till gosh it was like 2 30 or 3 when yeah it was between 2 30 and 3 which is not was not my plan it's gonna be a drop off quick lunch with michael and then back home uh, yeah so but the car's the car's fixed now so uh so you so all fixed you didn't have any questions about it when you picked it up i did but i had some i got some answers excellent well, I think that's a trend we should carry into this episode because it sounds like you had a good time getting those answers. So why don't we give the listeners an answer to one of our questions in this episode's question and answer time. So this time we've got a first in question and answer time history. We're going to have a live answer read on the air. Oh, yeah. So this uh, is coming from a draft that Michael was not a part of. We brought in our sports ringer, Nate, to talk about uh, making new college football conferences. So a lot of realignment happening in the college football world. So that would be... Episode 88, uh, what would be the most exciting college football conferences? And our question for that one is, which of the new matchups do you think was the most creative? So we came up with pairs of new rivals. So we were drafting two college teams at a time to make a new rivalry game in our conference that would eventually have 10 schools in it. And so we were giving a pitch for creative matchups whenever we drafted the two teams. So Michael attempted to write an answer to this question, and through this process, we learned that you can only type, what, like 200 characters or sort of... It's like the the first version of Twitter. Yeah, it's pretty short. It's pretty short. Pretty, so tweets back when you had to be creative instead of now when you can pay Elon Musk $8 and basically publish your blog on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so Michael... Could not fit his response in. So he's going to give us the answer to our question now live. All right. And I feel like 
I feel like this is a, an opportunity we should extend to the listeners as well. If you want to, if you want to answer a question in audio format, I will gladly take a call from a listener and record oh. it. Oh, mm-hmm. I, and then we yeah. drop it in. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, let's take a call on the episode. Like, <laughs> just, here's the link. Hop on. We're recording. Give us your answer. I, I'm willing to even say we will give you some merch if we could get some live callers in here. That would just really be the top. I, I, I was attempting to to lessen the logistical burden on us, but Cameron's going full steam ahead here. If if you find it difficult to line up your schedule with our recording time, you can always send us an audio file at our email address. True. I don't What's think a- anybody's... Would want to commit that much effort to our podcast, but it, it's, uh, it's certainly an opportunity. What, what's on draft podcast at gmail.com? All um, right. So go ahead, Mike. Okay. What I had typed out I really appreciate the pageantry of Cameron's conference and the importance placed on the mascots and color schemes. The Battle of Troy gets my vote for most creative matchup. I love the movie night idea and the game day sounds like an epic event with entire platoons of mascots on the field. When playing at USC, the Spartans entrance onto the field should be decorated like the giant wooden horse. It's called a Trojan horse, but yes. Well, but it wasn't the Trojans, right? Yeah, the Trojans. No, no, it was the Greeks who built it. Yeah, it was the Spartans. It was the Spartans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a vote for me. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Huzzah. All right. That was my first pick. So it's good, 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 good pick there. Right, Cameron. Um, yeah, I went, I went for pageantry. Everybody else was kind of going straight up rival. Well, not really. I, toward the end there, people were making their own rivals a little bit. Um, so I, I almost felt like yours could be called the academic conference because you had one that was uh, spelling related uh, or pronunciation related. And then a couple. Right. Arkansas, Kansas. A couple yeah. of historical ones. Uh, the uh, Civil you, War, Kentucky, West Virginia. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, no, Hatfields McCoy. That's what I did. Kentucky, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And then you did uh, Knights, I believe. Oh, Army Rutgers. Yeah, the Battle of the Knights. I forgot about that one. Yeah. yeah. So I thought um, those were some fun. Well, uh, non-football related reasons for <laughs> making your conference. In 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 pre-production, we were talking that uh, I tip my tip the. Mm, to my hand here that uh, some of these came true. And by, by that, I meant, I think Arkansas and Kansas um, actually ended up playing in a the, bowl game, Paul. Is that yeah, they did. The, they were the bowl game. Then the bowl game. What was the other thing? Um, uh, I don't even remember if it was, it might've been college basketball related. Oh, it was, it was Arkansas and Kansas in bowl. And then in basketball, did they play again? I think they did. Yes. Yeah. Is that what happened? They played twice. So the rivalry was growing and it was, it was one of mine. Uh, All right. Well, that's our first in history. First ever answer given within the episode rather than on Spotify. But listeners, uh, if you don't want to call in live while we're recording, the other option is to simply open your Spotify app and you can answer the question for every episode, including this episode. And we have the opportunity to publish those comments on our Spotify page. And then we will also give you a shout out and read your answer. Apparently, it has to be a short, pithy answer for us to read it. But uh, if you can fit that in in 250 characters or less, we will read it at the start of an episode. So your chance to get a shout out 
uh, and, and say something, uh, you know, profound or witty, or just let us know basic, you know, the basic answer to our question, whatever it is, we might read it in the episode, but that is this episode's question and answer time. Now, Cameron, I think the other, I think the other thing you were going to point out is that we have done something Mission Impossible related because we put in the theme song to Mission Impossible into an episode. Yeah, so I, I, I dropped it in as the outro music, but when you drop it in to edit, it always puts it at the beginning and I copy and paste and I forgot to remove it at the front. And I think that episode is still posted. And it probably has the fewest listens because the first like five minutes is the Mission Impossible theme song while Paul's trying to talk. Well, so, so it actually wasn't it actually wasn't even me talking because I was not in on that episode. Oh, I came in halfway us. through oh, that yeah. episode and I think we did eventually fix it. It, it. It's got 30 listens, so it's not our most listened, but we have a few with less than that. Uh, That would be episode 77, where you and Michael drafted the best Tom Cruise movies. And then I was busy earlier in the day when you started the recording, but I hopped on at the end and I gave you some Mission Impossible trivia questions. Was was that recorded in anticipation of this movie that is finally coming out? Uh, No, that one was for... Well, maybe it was this one. I can't remember if it I feel was like it no, no, no. It, was, it was the previous one, right? Or was it this one? No, thought... this is it. This is the one that's been pushed. Okay, so yeah. Um... <laughs> so let's take that other one down. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we we released that one, and uh, the two of you <laughs> did uh, pretty badly on the Mission Impossible trivia. I can't. I think maybe better than our James Bond trivia, but I'm not sure. Uh, I think one of the trivia questions was like, how many unmaskings were there? <laughs> and the answer was so much higher than I thought. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it was like 27 or something. Like what was the answer? Let, yeah, let me it Google it real quick. Those questions were hard, Paul. They, they were hard questions, Paul. I, yeah. I tried to, I tried to make them. They were a mission impossible. <laughs> to make them Literally. easier. Literally. Um, I don't even remember where I found that number because everything is like top 10 mask reveals. But uh, anyway, so listeners, as you know, from the episode, I wish there was a way that we could not reveal the episode title. Like Spotify would just tell you there's the episode. And then the title would appear after you've listened to a certain time mark. We're like, all right, 10 minutes. We Because our listeners, you know, we never say the episode up top. And then we get to this part where we intro the topic, but the listeners kind of already know the topic because of the title of the episode. But as the listeners know, we're doing some Mission Impossible-based draft this evening in, uh, in honor of uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 coming out, which uh, all the reviews that I've seen, people are pretty blown away. They love this movie. It's Tom Cruise's highest uh, rated movie on the tomato meter of all time at this point. So, wow. Uh, and that's, you know, mostly just critic reviews. So going, going pretty good for Mission Impossible. People are excited about this movie. Once again, Tom Cruise has saved the movie industry. 
uh, coming in with a with a huge hit. Um, so we are going to be talking Mission Impossible movies now. If you're a fan of the Mission Impossible uh, franchise, one thing you know is that Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt and his IMF team likes to go rogue. So in all all but really sort of one movie. Um, they end up going rogue against the government. Um, and the one movie where they don't go rogue, well, I, I don't know what happens in Dead Reckoning, but up until Dead Reckoning and the one movie, it's kind of debatable because Alec Baldwin kind of gives them permission to go rogue, but at the same time, the CIA does not like what they're doing. So they're like half rogue. They're sort of, they're sort of rogue in that one. But you know at a certain point, Ethan Hunt is going to want to go rogue. So what we're going to do is try to collect a team of spies from other fictional uh, movies, books, whatever it is, works with, with spies in them that we could send to take on an IMF team that has gone rogue. So if we're, uh, you know, we're in the government and we discover that Ethan Hunt has uh, dropped out, he's, he's off the radar, we don't know what he's doing, and we need to send a team to go see what's going on this is the team that we're gonna send so we're gonna see if we can assemble basically basically the most elite team of fictional spies we can and then at the end we can uh sort of just debate whether our teams are more capable than the imf team that ethan hunt has put together over the years so anything else that we need to you know clarify or discuss on this one do they have to, in your opinion, have been in a spy role? Because I tried to break down the positions of uh, Ethan Hunt's team mm-hmm. and try to find suitable people, but they're not always spies. Mm, I think, I, let me speak to this first, Paul, and then I'll let you kind of make the final decision. I think they need to be in some form of mission oriented role at the very least so for instance um i think you could i don't think you could tap somebody who's like um like say they're muscly and they're kind of your brawn person um, Mm -hmm. just because they were a soldier in a movie like it has to be more espionage-esque kind of clandestine um it doesn't need to be like national clandestine like it could be like corporate spying or something like that but i I think they need to be kind of they don't have to work for the cia or be a a quote spy but i think they think that their skill set needs to be shown to have been applied in a very spy-like manner okay i think that's fair yeah i think that's good i think there's a differentiation between like spy stuff and then say heist movies where in a heist movie it's just like we need someone who can hack into this thing so we're just going to get this person that's good at doing things with computers Mm -hmm. but in like mission impossible he's pulling in benji who is an imf agent hasn't been in the field but he is an agent trained in doing the computer work so i think there's a i think there's a differentiation there okay so, all right. Uh, I have randomized the draft order. Michael, you have the number one pick, followed by Cameron, and then I have the back-to-back picks to round out the first round. I think that's all we need to get into, so let's go ahead and kick the draft off. Michael, you're on the board. 
Wow. I'm, I'm glad to have the first pick on this one. So one of my favorite spy uh, trilogies, the main character displays great hand-to-hand combat. They're also adept with weaponry. And they can turn household objects like magazines into deadly weapons. I'm taking Jason Bourne here for my first pick. So I have him categorized as being excellent in the action department and then also really uh, wonderful with machinery. So he's he's a great driver. And uh, one of the movies, I think he's ridden a motorcycle around as well. So that's seems like it always comes into play in these movies. Got to chase people down or escape. Um, good pick. A um, little bit of an embarrassing note here. I've only seen one Bourne movie, and it was the third one. So That's kind of a, a rough one to enter in on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. A little more information. Um, second row. Second row. And those so movies were... cannot be watched up close. No, no uh-uh. that's but, nauseating. So yeah. uh, it was rough. I was hanging out with some friends and they were like, let's go see a movie. And I was like, I'll tag along. And they wanted to see the third born. And we got there late. This is back when you couldn't pick your seat ahead of time. Mm-hmm. I hate getting to the movie and not getting a good seat, but I, you know, or at least a decent seat. And it was terrible. We had to sit in the second row. Um, so yeah, not a great experience. Um, but um, from everything I know about the character, that's a pretty, it's a pretty solid pick. Yeah, he's he's definitely going to be able to handle the hand to hand combat side of things. Uh, my my question is: Is he going to be, you know, a good kind of team player? Oh right, he's go he goes solo, right? Yeah, mostly he just wants to get out of the game. So is he just going to be going like, Ugh, fuck, fine, I guess I'll chase this guy down. He's going to he's going to end up joining him if I can bolt halfway through this yeah. process. Who better to catch a rogue team than a roguish agent? <laughs> so, yeah, Sounds, so, that's that's a horrible strategy. <laughs> Michael's plan is for his team to split and go off the grid, and then hope one of them does the job. Um, maybe I am taking Jason Bourne um, before he gets shot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. Oh, Free amnesia, Jason Bourne. <laughs> All right. Well, that yeah, I knew I knew Jason would be near the top. Um, so I think this this makes sense as the as a as a top pick here. So Cameron, uh, you this was not probably not a steal for you. Was not on your radar, having not seen you know a lot of the movies. So who it's was num- on your number radar? one pick? It was my number one pick. So good. Mm-hmm. I didn't even bother to see another movie. I had enough. I had enough with that <laughs> third movie. Um, yeah, you, okay. you could tell. <laughs> yes yeah i could tell by the third oh this guy's got y'all's number um uh so um no prep as usual um for cameron over here and uh got back from dinner with the family and uh the wife was like oh you gotta pick this person um and i'm feeling i'm feeling pretty uh you know loosey-goosey tonight so yeah i'll just i'll go with i'll go with her pick over here so number another one. another book I'm going to a movie I haven't seen, actually based on a book. Um, but I'm going to get sort of my tech computer person, and I'm going to take Lisbeth Salander. 
if you're aware from mm-hmm. the girl with the dragon tattoo from mm-hmm. what my wife told me she's a bit of like a cyber hacker mm-hmm. um yeah is that the case so mm-hmm. um and i think she's got the attitude of somebody that will take the mission and just go do it um and not really have any emotional uh you know givings once they ha- once they have their mindset on something so um talented and skilled uh cyber hacker for elizabeth lisbeth salander from the girl with the gra- dragon tattoo so you had brought up how jason Bourne <laughs> might might uh not work in a team or follow orders uh lisbeth salander is even less likely <laughs> Wait, doesn't she work with the guy or something? Uh, Reluctantly and only because she believes in what they're doing. So you would have to convince her. You would have to convince her that bringing down Tom Cruise's team is what's right. Two two points, two points. Only reluctantly. That's every job I've ever had. Like there is no job that I'm like, yes, I'm dying to do this. Let's do it. No, it's like, okay, if you're telling me to do it, I'll do it. So that's, I don't think that's a weird thing. And then okay. only if she believes in it, she clearly believes in it because she's at, uh, 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 what's it? Am I, what do they call it? Am I six? No, six, she's not a spy. No, no. In, in the, in the, in the mission impossible universe. What is it? Am I the MIF? The M- oh, I see it? what you're saying. What is it called? Oh, the, I- the IMF. You're putting IMF. Yeah. The impossible, yeah. impossible so, mission force. So yeah, not the international monetary fund, which I just, it's like, why did they come up with a different acronym? It's a little confusing. <laughs> uh, I, I honestly wish they were like the actual IMF, but they happen to have spies going on missions too. Um, but if she's in there and she hasn't gone rogue, then she's a committed employee to the mission or else she would be rogue you. with, okay. you know, so it's kind of like okay. saying, would you send Ethan Hunt on a mission? He kind of goes rogue sometime. Well, you send the best people you got, you know? So anyway, that is okay. my, so, that is my yeah. debate rebuttal. If that's, if that's true, then I, I feel like even Jason yeah, Bourne. I, I don't works. think we're approaching these people going, hey, we know you're off the grid, but the IMF has a mission for you. You know, I think they're in the IMF and we get to pick from all the fictional spies uh-huh. that are now in the IMF to okay. go get uh, Ethan Hunt. So. Okay. Anyway, I, I protect my wife's picks. You know, I, I put one of her picks out there, and you try to degrade it. I got, I got to go at you. You know. No, I, I uh, <laughs> his own I, picks though. <laughs> Have Adam. I the considered worst. this one, and then she also works with a friend uh, who who does a lot of the hacking for her. Mm-hmm. And uh, both of them were considerations. So I have not read or seen this so i'm i'm not as familiar with the character other than just hearing i don't know for a while i feel like there was a lot of girl with the dragon tattoo discourse so i feel like i heard a lot about mm-hmm. her in the movie but uh in like you know random bits that i don't know how they all go together so i can't say a lot but um obviously someone that people responded well to all right all right well I'll I'll go for it here. I like having the back-to-back picks on this one because it allows me to go two very different directions with my two picks. So I can take a couple of spies here that have uh but from very I'm going to go very different movies and also very different skill sets for these two. And I'm going to start off with uh someone who has got some great combat hand-to-hand skills, good with a gun. 
but also good at some subterfuge, living a double life for a long time. I think, uh, you know, he didn't even have the benefit of a mask, but I think you start giving this guy some mask technology, uh, he can really, really blend in. I'm going to go Harry Tasker. I saw this on a list. I recognize it. Which is, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger from True Lies. Uh, so this is this is definitely a steal. This is a steal. I had, I had this one some t- somewhere in my top five. I was going to tap this one. Yeah, one of my all time favorite spy movies. Oh, this is a this is a great movie. This is just great. a fun '90s movie. Yeah, great movie, and uh, like all characters, just could take out a ro- like all all Schwarzenegger characters from the '90s, right? Could just take out a room of villains uh, in any way. You- possible you just need to send him in and uh, he's not going to get a scratch (laughs) i think it's in his contract too (laughs) okay speaking speaking of that specifically i watched predator this past week and during the part of the battle where the predator is really beating up on arnold it's all in the infrared vision and i wondered if he had it contractually put in (laughs) you cannot show me (laughs) <laughs> on regular getting, film getting getting, hit, yeah. yeah yeah that's yeah i don't that's so he's you know i haven't heard as much with arnold uh that's that's kind of famously one of the things in the fast and furious series that both the rock and vin diesel have it in their contract that they can't be seen losing a fight so if the two of them ever have to fight on screen it has to be this like absolutely 50 50 equal if one of them takes a punch the other immediately takes a punch Mm. so that one of the two never looks like they're on top which uh, i'm sure is just the most aggravating thing for like the stunt you know coordinators to have to work around uh but then you you know you had the 90s guys that seemed to do like schwarzenegger is never taking a hit and then stallone once he it's, it's weird because Stallone starts out being kind of, you know, Rambo, Rocky, both getting beat up and are more interesting movies for it. And then he goes into sort of the more crazy uh, 90s action star mode. So, yeah, I don't know if Schwarzenegger, but that, I, I do like that idea that Arnold was like, look, I'll take a hit from this alien species, but you have to you can't show my face. While I'm getting hit, so they were like, "All right, we'll figure out a way to work around it." Let's hope Ethan Hunt didn't go rogue to uh, to ally with the alien species. <laughs> yeah, you give Ethan some cloaking and infrared technology. Yeah, that's going to turn out bad for everyone. Bad news. All right, so Paul, you got to be feeling pretty good. I I, I don't know if I would have gotten in the top two, um, but uh, I was definitely going to get this guy if he. If he Stayed on the board by the third or fourth round. So. Oh yeah, no, I yeah, I, I wanted Harry on the team. So like I said, I'm I'm going to go into the second round now. And I'm going to go a much different direction, both film and uh, character here. So I'm going to take Joseph Turner. Is that a name either of you recognize? No, not off the top of my head. So, so this is I I found this doing a little research. I would not have remembered that this was the character's name in the movie, but Joseph Turner is Robert Redford's character in three days of the condor. Oh, so I'm going for Turner here as the analyst type. He's going to be staying back in the room, but I, those IMF agents, they like to, they like to use codes. You know, they're always throwing out Job or 
riddles about the you know soldiers at the end of the universe or whatever it is they like to they like to speak in some code and turner is someone who uh, his expertise was cracking codes and and figuring out patterns and things like that but then also obviously dealt with an extreme situation in that movie where he was kind of thrown into a situation that he had to uh, uh get out of his groove and and uh figure out um what happened to his team and, and get himself out of the bad situation so not only is he really smart but he's crafty and he can he can improvise so uh, I like Joseph Turner as my sort of man in the room guy. Okay. Uh, I, I've had three days, is it three days of the Condor mm-hmm. um, in my queue? I think on Amazon Prime for probably like seven years. <laughs> Should I give it a watch? Is it worth a watch? It's a good movie. I like it's, it. Yeah. It okay. is a different kind of spy movie, though. It's not. Yeah, it's not an it's action not movie. Action movie. Oh, I don't like, I mean, one of my favorite spy movies is, um, well, I don't want to give it away. We'll talk about it later, but uh, no, no, no. I, I like the slow ones. I like the slow ones. It's a Ernest. Ernest goes to Soviet Russia. Is the name <sighs> well, now I know Ernest isn't going to make it back to round three for my next pick. <laughs> Ernest goes to Moscow. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a well-made movie. Okay. Robert Redford, good as usual in it. So I would recommend watching it. Um, okay, well, um, I'll go ahead and jump in here, and I'm going to take Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan, I need an analyst, right? Need an analyst. So, uh, if you're saying Joe Joe T over here is your analyst, I'm assuming that's kind of the he's the meeting room, the yeah, the yeah. headquarters guy. This is my guy, checking the strategy, trying to connect the dots, whiteboarding, right? Pepe Silvia, Pepe Silvia. This is that guy. So, I'm going to take Jack Ryan. Any of the Jack Ryans. Uh, I prefer Baldwin or Ford, but, uh, you know, they're all good. So this is back-to-back CIA picks uh, for us. Um, so if Michael goes the CIA, he can he can round out round two as the all-CIA round. Wasn't Harry uh, in the CIA? Yes, he was. So three, three CIA in a row. We're mm. on a streak. <laughs> uh, but uh, so, yeah, so no, a solid pick. Um, another name that I figured would be up here in the first couple of rounds. Uh, we talked about Jack Ryan a lot in the Ford episode. So listeners, if you want our Jack Ryan thoughts, I would go to that one. But in terms of the spy work itself, I think obviously you see him in that strong analyst role, but also can throw a punch. And then I feel as, as the character has progressed over time has leaned, you know, you get to the Chris Pine Jack Ryan and then the Krasinski Jack Ryan. He's in more and more combat situations, yeah, it seems like. So uh so maybe he's a little even even more well rounded at this point for you. Yeah, I feel like the Harrison Ford version I can see him more as as, as doing some of the bureaucratic things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The John Krasinski character, while while they have uh, promoted him in the CIA. He still is going out on missions. This is this <laughs> he's, is he's true. shooting so many people in these seasons. You can't lead from behind. That's what I was. <laughs> yeah. So solid pick. Okay. I I don't think I am going to continue with the CIA trend oh, here. Breaking the streak. I'm gonna go a different direction. When will the CIA catch a break? I don't know. 
But if you want to uh, call me or beat me, if you want to reach me, you're going to use a communicator made by Wade. I'm taking Wade here. So uh, Wade is the kid genius from Kim Possible who acts as the hacker, computer liaison, gadget maker. He is super talented. He's only 10 years old, I believe, in the show. Really? He has had, had already graduated college is what it says. So boy genius over here. He's 10 during Kim's sophomore year. So I guess as she ages, we see him. I, I did not know Wade uh, played by uh, Taj Mowry. Who also played huh. a boy genius. Yes, right. So smart guy. He's got a he, yeah, smart guy. He's got a he's got a type. He's, he's typecast. <laughs> yeah. Typecast as boy genius. That's a bad typecasting because eventually yeah, you good. can't pull off boy genius. Well, then you just become evil genius, right? What if you're like <laughs> Benjamin Button, boy genius? So like you look really old, but you're really young. <laughs> that's that's the Benjamin Button too. <laughs> he's, he's a boy genius. A boy genius. <laughs> So that sounds like something ridiculous, but also if they just announced like we're making Benjamin Button boy genius, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds like Hollywood. The writers are on strike, so that's the best they could come up with. So um, I've never actually seen Kim Possible. I'm certainly aware of it. I saw all the commercials. I just I wasn't really into watching it, um, giving it a shot, honestly. But I'm reading some stuff here about Wade. Help me understand here. It sounds like he gives the missions to Kim and Ron, but there's no talk about he's actually representing some organization. Is this a 10-year-old mastermind who's creating his own like spy? I mean, you know, uh, whatever, uh, special forces, spy, um, you know, a company or team? They act as spies yeah, right? to save the world, but uh, I would say most of their missions are altruistic mm. it's not like they work for an organization they're they're okay. kids gotcha. i don't i don't think i don't think there's uh, an, an umbrella organization over them but sh- but kim possible is you know so a renowned so spy she's she's already gone rogue it's That's what I'm saying. Right? Is he going to be able? I mean, he's usually making the mission, deciding. Is he going to be okay being handed a mission to go get Ethan Hunt when he doesn't create it on his own? Yeah, man. He's he's going to be an awesome team lead, and he's going to be behind the desk, looking at the computer screens, telling people what's okay. going on. Sounds like my boss. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, I I also have not. I've watched some Kim Possible, um, but I I didn't watch it uh when it was sort of new right like we we, we've watched it because we put it on for the kids because elena watched it so it's nostalgic for her uh great theme song so if we Mm -hmm. were that's what i was gonna say this the theme song slaps so that's right it yeah you you can't and i think that's that's a good uh it's a good sign of a great theme song is when you have absolutely, you know, you've never watched the show, but I am very familiar with the theme song. Uh, you've done something well. And the main characters have really uh, names that complement one another. Uh, you got Kim possible and Ron stoppable. What a terrible name. 
Ferran, yeah. It's like how 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 young how how I'll say it how dumb is your audience where that's what you have to name the person to give to give them their character trait, you know? I guess I I, I guess that's not unheard of, right? Han Solo, what's his deal? Just think about it. I'm alone. Don't have a family. I'm gonna call you Solo. Solo <laughs> works for me. Uh, yeah. Well, moving right along. Um, yeah, Michael snappy, number. snappy draft so far. Oh, yeah, I'm in this hot garage, so I'm I'm ready to get right. back inside. I mean, we got to get these teams together so we can uh, get after Ethan. He's got a head start. Yeah, man. Every minute is just another day it'll take to track him down. Okay, so my next pick. We have talked about disguises on the draft before. And Paul picked someone that was not a secret agent who was kind of a master of just changing his mannerisms and clothing and having people not be able to recognize him. So I am going to draft a spy who is also known for these kinds of things. I am taking Philip Jennings. Do y'all recognize this character? So this is Matthew Reese's character from The Americans. And the CIA uh, costume designer, uh, Jonna Mendez, she describes the little gray man. And this is, I think, one of the most effective spy uh, traits is if you are just someone that people don't notice. So you're of average height, you know, kind of mousy hair color or something. Just someone that blends in. People don't notice you. They said that this is one of the most effective spies. And so in the series, we see him through just a wig and maybe glasses or something. He can transform and he changes his mannerisms and he becomes this kind of uh, other character completely and... It's what I would call the little gray man. Well, luckily I've already got this with Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> on my team. Just no one's going to pick him out of a room. So. <laughs> so again, yeah, if we have access to the, the actual mask technology. Oh, yeah. Game over. Game, game over. Uh, yeah, I still have not watched. I think the Americans has come up before. Mm-hmm. I have not watched it, and so Holly's Holly's binged it. She swears by it. She says it's a really good show. So I watched another show with Carrie Russell, where she is playing an ambassador. I'll have to check out the name of it. it was on. Uh, maybe it's called The Diplomat, something like that. It's on Netflix, but that was a really good show. It's very short. And the first season is very short. Hmm. That's all that's up right now. I'm hoping they make season two. And I mentioned her because she's the co-star in The Americans. Right, right. Okay. So I've picked three already. Cameron, let's hear your third spy. I have three spots. Okay, I'll go with one that I know I'm going to pick. I don't think I have to pick it to the end. Um, But I am going to go with Elim Garrett. Elam Garrick. That's E L I M J A R A K. Does anybody know who Elam Garrick is? Deep Space Nine. I've got Deep, I've got him pulled up right now. Yeah, Deep Space Nine. Uh, he is the Cardassian Taylor 
on the space station promenade, the shopping uh, district. So he has like sort of a suit shot there, uh, a suit shop there. And uh, and uh, kind of not suspecting, but we learn to find out he's a former spy for the Cardassian Obsidian Order, which is their espionage uh, unit of their government slash military. Um, so he is kind of an outcast, um, what would you call it, cut loose spy. Uh, so he's no longer in there, but he has still so many connections and he is crafty. A lot of the best episodes of the series involve him um pretty much playing with other people's plans. Sometimes the protagonist plans, sometimes the antagonist plans. He's a very, there are times when he clearly aligns with the protagonist, but he's kind of a do it on your own. You know, what's good for me is all I really care about. Um, so very crafty, um, not afraid to get his hands dirty. He's involved in numerous homicides, which sounds weird to say for Star Trek, but that is definitely the case. Um, and he doesn't have any qualms with, staging forging um elicit, eliciting confessions things like that so he's gonna be our getting your hands dirty guy if you need to do something we gotta kind of maybe keep it off the books we're gonna use elam for it great character um from from a great show so yeah i had him sort of as an alternate mostly just because uh i was like i can't speak as much to him have as being not as uh well versed in deep space nine as you are so i had him i had him pulled up but i was like cameron probably is angling this direction and he will make a much better pitch for elon so i didn't i had him a little lower on the list didn't realize aliens were up for grabs (laughs) are any special powers involved with this uh, no the cardassians don't have uh just they're not wizards they're just uh no, he'll just have a problem blending in. <laughs> he will be the opposite of the gray man. Um, no, he, but he is specifically, he's like a former Cardassian intelligence officer. So he's yeah. like very specifically a spy. Okay. Yeah, he, he is a spy. I'm not picking like an alien and saying he's going to be our, our goon. He, he is he is a spy in the Star Trek universe mm-hmm. in the truest sense of the world. Hmm. Well, I wouldn't have landed on this one, so. Great, great characters from the best. Star Trek series? I was going to say, like, character-driven Star Trek series, without a doubt. Um, not story-driven, but character-driven. It's on to Paul. Paul, you can still get um, Tom Arnold's character from oh. uh, True Lies, still available. <laughs> Thought I would take it, but I didn't. <sighs> Are we, are we not franchising it? Team him up, man. Team him up. Yeah, I'm just gonna go. It's gonna be Joseph Turner. Straight, straight, true lies. Yeah, Joseph Turner uh, J- and Jamie then Schwarzenegger, Jamie. Yeah, and just the whole his daughter for True Lies. She flies the jet at the end a little bit. She's got some skills. Um, here's I had sort. Of, I have a list, and I'm like you, Cameron. I'm kind of like I know there's probably some deep cuts that'll be a little more interesting. Uh, and I'm trying to look. One thing is, it's wild what some people classify as a spy on some of these lists. Yeah. Um, I've seen Inspector Clouseau come up as a spy. I think I saw uh, that too. Multiple think. lists have listed Severus Snape <laughs> as a spy. Um, it's more, probably closer than Inspector Clouseau, but not, I don't know if it's exactly what we're going for. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm going to turn. Um, sort of like with Harry Tasker, I just kind of am interested in 
movies and spy shows that I'm a, I'm a big fan of. Mm. So I'm going to go for one that was one of my like afternoon shows, right? Like it was on all the time. And if I was oh. studying or working or doing something and I turn on the TV, I was like, there's a marathon of this show on uh, naturally. You, you going with uh, uh can I take a guess? Go for Yeah. T- take a stab. Uh, is it uh, Maxwell Smart? Not Maxwell Smart. Oh, Although that's I a thought, good one. I was thinking marathon in the middle of the day. <laughs> that shows only this, on yeah. like three no, three p.m. <laughs> think more. Uh, this is a network that had three or four kind of big hits, and so they just played them all the time instead of coming up with new big hits. Uh, USA. I, yes, USA. It's a USA show. It's a USA show. Is it Burn Notice? It's Burn Notice. I'm going Michael yeah. Weston. From Burn Notice, uh, I, I mean, I loved Burn Notice. I, it, it, every episode was so fun. Bruce Campbell hamming it up all the time, uh, getting into ridiculous scenarios, and then uh, Michael Weston just like MacGyvering himself out of a situation at all times. Just you put him in a room, and he's like, "Well, I'm trapped in a bank vault, but luckily, I know that I can." you know, take the wrappers off of all of these dollar bills and they have a special ink that if I tie them all together, it'll explode and blow open the wall or something. Uh, but somehow they made that look like, yeah, I could pull that off if I knew the stuff that Michael Weston did. Um, so it was just always a, a fun show and almost like multiple times in the week, there would just be a burn notice marathon going on on USA. So it was hmm. definitely like, a, I got to do something around the house, just click on the burn notice marathon, leave it on in the background kind of thing. So Michael Weston. I feel like we've talked about burn a couple of times uh, on the pod, but I don't remember in what context. I, I've never seen it. Like an interesting uh, addition to your team. I'm with Paul. I used to watch this a lot. And I just remember one episode, he bulletproofed a car by taking off all the, panels and like stuffing them full of phone books simple enough yeah stuff like that <laughs> why, why make things complicated yeah, ep- episodes would often end with them being like this person has figured out who you are you're in a random location and in two hours this team is going to show up to try and take you out and then michael would just be like okay well let me booby trap this entire area and just take all of them out and then after i've taken most of them out bruce campbell will like drive by in a car and he'll run and jump in the back of it and they'll like get out of there so uh i mean i'm a big bruce campbell fan so the second i found out he was in the show that was the hook for me is just bruce campbell usually in like a hawaiian shirt just getting into some hijinks um i'm in all right well that brings us (laughs) three round so starting off my team i have David Webb, a.k.a. Jason Bourne. And then secondly, I've got Wade on the computers and Philip Jennings from The Americans. And I have Elizabeth Salander running our uh, cyber security. Um, Jack Ryan uh, deciphering the, the, the mission and the, the strategy. And then I had Elam Garrick uh, of Cardassia. Um, go ahead and take care of a lot of the ugly parts of the mission for us. 
And I am coming in with Harry Tasker, combat expert and great at the subterfuge as well. Joseph Turner, brilliant CIA code cracker and analyst. And then Michael Weston, the burnt spy who thinks quick on his feet and uh, is is going to be great at going undercover. Uh, I think probably we just told Michael, like, hey, we'll clear your record if you can find this guy. So he's like, great. It's my mm. ticket out of being burnt. Uh, also, I just realized I'm all CIA right now because Michael was ex. He was a burnt CIA agent. Mm. Um, so pretty by the book. You're going to get stuck in uh, a vacuum of just everybody thinking the same way. Uh, well, you know, it's, it's fitting for, it's fitting for the mission Impossible movies. Cause it often is the CIA that is, uh, needing to, uh, <laughs> deal with the IMF sort of, it's like, you know, like the CIA doesn't like what the IMF is doing. So oh, okay. I've got the crack CIA team, uh, put together. Gotcha. gotcha. Uh, but I don't, I don't think I have another CIA agent that I can take, um, for the next one so i'm trying to uh i'm not i'm not gonna stretch myself um i'm not gonna stretch myself to go cia instead um you know we have a we have a pretty pretty dude heavy draft here except for cameron with his his top pick uh which was a guest pick so in terms of picks that we came up with before you can speak you must listen okay (laughs) just because yeah. Well, I'm I'm learning a lesson from you, uh, you drafting a, a female spy here. Uh, but I'm gonna go a little more over the top with mine. I'm gonna go back to the '80s, similar to Harry Tasker here, but someone that's carried on. But I'm also pulling a little from Michael's team as a character that started as an animated character and then has made an appearance in live action since then. I'm gonna go Jinx. From G.I. Joe, Jinx, a mm. female spy for the Joe team. One of the only characters in G.I. Joe uh, who you, who her real name is so top secret that they never reveal it during the oh. series. So most of the Joes, you know the real name. Uh, Jinx is um, a spy and also trained as a ninja. So she has received ninja training uh, both in America and also from an ancient like Japanese family that she belongs to. She went to Japan to find out that she's part of a ninja clan. And then she's been on uh, the Joe team. And then also the ninja slash intelligence team, the top secret team classified uh, ninja force, tiger force. Uh, She's been, been on a lot of uh, teams, but basically just a a super spy ninja, which I think uh, Ethan Hunt has never encountered that. So uh, I'm not sure how he would handle an interaction with a ninja. Good pick. This kind of blocks a consideration of mine. It's I, I didn't know if I was going to end up with this character or not, but uh, I was looking up vehicle experts, and a GI Joe came up. Mm-hmm. But the 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 live action Joe movies are really wild. I've rewatched a couple of them within the past year, and. They're fun. I, I enjoyed playing with G.I. Joe so much as a kid. Uh, I do appreciate the live action movies. Did y'all watch the cartoons at all growing up? I did a little bit. I, I wasn't a regular watcher, but I was you know, familiar with them. I, I didn't watch them very much. Just once in a while, I would ac- catch them accidentally. Um, 
I did. I, I probably watched more the um, the Eric Finsler uh, G.I. Joe like YouTube films where he took the he took clips from G.I. Joe and dubbed over them. Oh, nice. OK. And um, and just a really and there were a few of those that we uh, quoted constantly in in uh, high school so the the eric finsler for for somebody who was into them at around that time like early kind of you know internet culture days uh some people will know exactly what i'm saying and they're gonna be at home going pork chop sandwiches or you know some some other famous quote from those but i'll have to check those out paul so fun fact i know jinx's last name Oh, Michael's in on the on the uh, the top secret level. <laughs> it's it's monsoon. It's Jinx monsoon. <laughs> See what you did there. That's a callback to several episodes. But uh, well, Cameron, we've uh, given you a little time here to get your next pick queued up. What are you gonna go with? <sighs> I don't like this anymore. But none of us have taken the, the most obvious name. I don't want that obvious. It's too obvious. I know too that's obvious. what that that's the problem sometimes with with us and these drafts is that you know someone's like I want you know I want to consider the scenario where all the obvious names are involved, but we're just like we don't want to take the obvious names. We want to come up with. Which I think is uh, is equally enjoyable, but I'm sure, you know, if we had a big audience, uh, I'm sure there would be some people that were routinely annoyed <laughs> by that. Probably. But I, I think that they are in different realms of unreality in, in their oh, spines. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I had a hard time fitting the the bond universe with the mission impossible yeah universe. that is true jason Bourne, i think is is pretty darn close to ethan hunt yeah they're a little more uh like it seems grounded but then also they're doing some ridiculous stunts kind of thing right exactly um, mm-hmm. so yeah and i love i love that i mean i love mission impossible but i think i've talked about it before i much prefer mission impossible to the bond series, but I just, it is such a great mix of, I mean, obviously, you know, they're big stunts because like Tom Cruise actually did them most Mm -hmm. of the time. Uh, But then also just like campiness and the reveal of, you know, somebody taking a mask off in the middle of a scene or something like that. Um, It just all works together for me. So I, uh, I did a rewatch of indie before I went to see the indie. Should I do a rewatch of uh, MI before I go watch? (laughs) <laughs> there's a lot more to commit to yeah what do i have six do i have to get through six or seven what is this this is this the... is uh this is eight. Oh my eight. god is there a solid through line or not really probably not they're not initially there begins to be a solid through line in the more recent ones but mission impossible fallout oh no sorry this is seven so fallout which was six is the first one where it is really like this is a very direct continuation 
And it, it's going to keep doing that because this one has people coming back from like the first movie or in Dead Reckoning. So yeah. I might I might start it. I might start a rewatch. All right. I will move on to my pick. I've settled. I am going to take Harry Hart. Harry Hart from uh, Kingsman. Uh, so I've only seen the first Kingsman. I have not seen the Golden Circle and I have not seen the prequel, I think, with Ray Fiennes. But um, Harry Hart played by Colin Firth. I think he's kind of what you think of as Bond if Bond wasn't such a, um, um, I guess, somebody in it for just the ladies and the explosions. <laughs> uh, Harry Hart is like the true gentleman spy. Um, so, um, and quite a fighter. And that's really why I'm getting him. Um, there's a great sequence in the first uh, Kingsman where he takes on an entire church full of uh, kind of crazed mind control people and he thoroughly beats them um it's a great sequence um and he, he really shows his quick uh, martial arts prowess so i'm gonna take uh henry hart i also think we need we need some some english spies on this list you know the americans they kind of bust the door down start shooting ask a few questions shoot a little more and then see if uh, anybody can help them out so uh i think i'm gonna go with harry hart yeah, I saw this on some lists of top spies, and I think that was the scene that they pointed to for this character as being one of the best scenes. Uh, those movies are full of some intense, unrealistic, thankfully unrealistic vi- violence, but mm-hmm. it's like it's still grosses me out, mm. but it's so excessive. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. It's, it's like comically excessive, you know, right? Um yeah, that, that scene you mentioned in particular was very like, just have a room full of people that most everyone doesn't like and just have uh, Colin Firth just go at it. Uh, but this is, yeah, this is a, a nice classy, um, you know, obviously they they dress uh, sharply and then um, uh, he's, he's always, you know, Eggsy is a little more... Uh, you know, rough around the edges, he's trying to straighten him up, but clearly he's like, I'm going to look like a snobby British, British man. And then, yeah, this is the guy who goes to the ball that Harry went to at the opening of yes, two lives. Yeah. Like we send Harry and we don't send Elam in. Just everyone, be everyone what is, what is that? happening? Uh, Why is that person in a uh, dragon? No, I, I also think this is, uh, you know, Ethan Hunt's going to be like, all right, I've I've seen this guy. I, I've dealt with these MI6 guys before. You know, I understand what's going on. Uh, I can I can get away from this guy pretty quick, and then he's gonna, you know, pop out the cane, <laughs> and then oh, the, yeah, yeah, the, the umbrella. umbrella, and um, uh, Ethan's gonna ha- it's gonna be one of those shots where it just zooms in on Tom Cruise, and he's just like, oh man, this is something else I got to deal with now. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I like it. This was uh, another one that was like kind of on my radar, but I wasn't quite sure where to put him on the list. And I also wasn't sure whether it was a better fit to like get him or uh, just take Eggsy as like the younger, um, you know, guy on the on the team. Um, so I wasn't sure where to put him, but he was kind of in my consideration. Got some nice alliteration with this name. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, Michael, you get 
two Harrys on the board. <laughs> double double Harrys. Michael, you have a chance to take a Harry with this pick. <laughs> Harry, Harry Potter. You're going to send Harry Potter in. Who was after... a spy? You remember when he pretended to be dead? He was spying. <laughs> spying. <laughs> <laughs> Sending it. Harry, Harry Potter from the first book. So it's just 11-year-old Harry Potter. Ethan's just like, what is happening? He's like, hello, sir. I'm Harry Potter. <laughs> just Can I go to Hogsmeade? <sighs> they do some sneaking around and sleuthing in the Harry Potter stories. Yeah, he's got the he, he got the uh, invisibility cloak. Yeah, he brings the cloak. <laughs> well, that I mean, that's that's. Can you imagine? Can you imagine them finishing a mission and Ethan Hunt goes mischief managed. <laughs> closes his butt. well through through most of the series harry is more likely to just throw a rock at someone than like use magic so just harry in the invisibility cloak ethan comes into the room and then harry just clocks him with a rock <laughs> uh, yeah and then they cart him back to the INF. cart him back to jason Bourne. <laughs> here you go sir <laughs> I, I trapped the man we're looking for. It's me, eleven-year-old Harry Potter. So you're set on Harry, then, Mike? Good, good for you. You gotta type that in. <laughs> yeah, uh, no. So I am going to draft a character that is also a British agent, hmm. and we don't find this out until very late in the film. So sorry for the spoilers, but you all have had plenty of time to see this. I am taking Gabby Teller from Man from Uncle. So this is Alicia Vikander's character. Okay. And she is playing an East German mechanic in the first part of the film uh, where she's uh, rescued from East Germany. She does, she is a mechanical whiz, so she can help with any kind of uh, vehicle issues and speaks multiple languages. And the other two spies in this film don't even realize that she too is a spy. So she's, she's Mm -hmm. very good at kind of, she could be a double agent. She could probably win someone's trust and they wouldn't even think that this, uh, this person is a spy. So I am taking Gabby Teller for my fourth pick. This was a really fun movie. I wish there was a second one. I'm with you. I thought it was just a fun, enjoyable movie. Go catch it on a matinee. Certainly stream it. I mean, it's a good watch. Um, I kind of wish they kept going. They clearly weren't going to anyway, but then of course all the army mm-hmm. hammer stuff happened. So it's definitely not going to happen now, but um who knows? They'll pick up another. I mean, all these spy shows they've pretty much made into a movie already, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they did get mm-hmm. smart, right? Um, I mean, I feel like they're literally they're just finding shows from back then that ran at least two seasons and then making mm-hmm. a movie. So, so anyway, they've they've recast Henry Cavill in The Witcher, right? And he's not going to be Superman, so maybe we can campaign for him to play Napoleon Solo again. And just recast Army Hammer's character. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's uh, possible. Would be a good a good uh, Russian spy. Um, 
Uh, Larry the Cable Guy. Put him in there. <laughs> try, try to reach Middle America. <laughs> he's he's deep undercover. Get her done, comrade. <laughs> so, uh, it, but good pick with uh, this one. Uh, I'm a big fan of Vikander too. So, um, yeah, nice little uh, surprise at the end there with the British kind of sneaking mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. Um, getting involved. So. Yeah, that was a nice, yeah. nice role uh, for Hugh Grant. Enjoyed yes. Him. We get to see that she's also adept at hand-to-hand combat. She's kind of playfully fighting with Army Hammer's character in the film, and she holds her own. And he's gigantic, so she can take on a pretty good-sized mm-hmm. person. For sure. Yeah, there is a lot of uh, a lot of the characters from Man from Uncle were on a lot of the lists mm-hmm. of top top spies. Um, so, uh, you think you had a lot, uh, you could have gone with, I mean, yeah, I don't think there's a, a worse, you know, better or worse choice among the group. So, uh, I think it's a, it's a good one. I like the movie. We, I, I somehow man from uncle is a movie that comes up a lot on the show. So we've all noted more than once that, um, we're a fan. I, I only saw it the one time. Maybe it's, maybe it's just very mediocre. And I just, <laughs> yeah. We should, we should watch it again. Watch. I've rewatched it. <laughs> Okay, okay. Yeah. It's still fun. Okay, so to help out my team here, I'm going to take someone that is super sneaky and we've got multiple agencies trying to figure out where in the world this character is. Known for the red fedora, I'm taking Carmen Santiago. Interesting. I didn't even think about this one. Didn't see it on any lists. What is Carmen San Diego's issue? What's the backstory here? She's a like a thief, right? So the Netflix show gives her so much more backstory than the old game show from the nineties did. Mm-hmm. And we find out that she was raised in this organization called Vile. Of like super spies, but they they are for evil. So she's trained up in martial arts and uh, espionage, thievery, things like this. And she turns out to be good. Uh, <laughs> so she makes it her mission to take this organization down. And so she, in the show is running her own missions very much like Kim Possible to try to counteract what Vile is trying to do. So are the people, are us, the content, the people trying to find her part of Vile? There are multiple organizations. So there's another uh, organization that is like regular agents. Okay. It's like Interpol kind of thing okay. that's also trying to track her down. Okay. And then Vile's trying to track wow. her down as well. Okay. We're going after the wrong person maybe. She's uh, pretty adept at spycraft and, mm-hmm. and uh, hiding and thieving. Yeah, and the and the new Netflix show, it's not formatted um, like the, it's not like you, the audience, are looking for her. It's just a show about Carmen right, Sandiego. Correct. So oh, it, at okay. the time we were looking for Carmen Sandiego, it was just like she's like an art thief, and that okay. was it. Uh, uh-huh. But they they made a. 
what is it like two seasons or something on Netflix or one? I think so. Um, no, it's at least it's at least two okay. seasons. Yeah. yeah, but it it I don't think they're making it anymore. But they they dropped a couple seasons of an animated show that was just her as a character, and so they added a bunch of backstory to like flesh out the character. Mm-hmm. Kevin Dart worked on the show. Uh, check out his artwork; it's awesome. I think his. Uh, handle on Instagram is KevinZilla2000. But just beautiful backgrounds on it, character design. There's not like outlines around the characters. Um, there's some nice textures. It's just, uh, it's it's a pleasure to watch. Hmm. So Carmen Sandiego wraps up my list. All right. Well, uh, adept at moving around the world which is good since we don't necessarily know where Ethan is going to be. True. We Should get maybe kind of in the same mindset as Ethan when he's going rogue. So you can put that hat on. Like that. All right. Well, Cameron, you get to round out your team as well. You had a couple picks. I know you said you, uh, you had thought about saving them for the end, but you took them anyway. So now here you are at the end. What have you got? Oh, man. I feel like if I prepped for this, I could have had some good ones, man. What what kind of uh, character are you looking for? Uh, I just want something that's kind of like as surprising as Elam. You know, I kind of want mm. a real deep cut. It was really, really what I'm saying. I think I could find some. There's spies in various pieces of fiction. Uh, yeah. But if you Google movies about spies, it, there's just like a spy in the movie. It's not like a spy movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm stuck between two. I'll go with the more very, very obscure uh, pitch. So I'm going to go with Clayton Webb. Clayton Webb. Anybody familiar with Clayton Webb? Is he related to David Webb? Um, Clayton Webb is a CIA uh, kind of liaison, deputy director, um, who frequently involves himself with the uh, weekly episode of JAG. If you remember JAG on uh, CBS in the 90s, of course, Navy lawyers kind of build as a top gun meets um a few good men it's kind of how they kind of designed it oh. uh harman rab the lead character is a, a a jag uh lawyer judge advocate general so the military lawyers um but once in a while uh the cia deputy director stops by played by clayton webb who's always kind of this relationship of a thorn in their side um but once in a while will give them some good information but is like very smarky very rude um not really helpful so I think this is going to be uh, just somebody who really makes our team solidifies the team as definitely being like a government agent. You, you know, you can't really have a government agent team unless you're dealing with some like bureaucrat or something. Right. And that's kind of this person. Otherwise we're just making another rogue team. that's going to go rogue. You know, I look at Michael's list, Jason Bourne, Wade, Carmen. I mean, these people are going rogue. I mean, they're not going they, if they go after Ethan Hunt, it's just because that's their rogue mission. I don't think I think they could stop at any time. So I'm trying to give us a little more legitimacy uh, back on the governmental side. So I'm going to address uh, Clayton Webb, um, a really good character, uh, a really good foil in in the show Jag, where there's a little sometimes there's a bit too much holier than thouness with the characters. They're all very good and very honest most of the time. So it's nice to have a character that's a little more obscured in their in their morals. So that's Clayton Webb, played by Stephen Culp, who's a, a really good, um, like, B character actor who you'll probably recognize, but you never knew what his name was. Hmm. Still need to do that draft. 
Oh yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. But it might be hard for the listeners. Be like, we promise you recognize this character. Yeah, we we had that. I think we said that's the one we have to uh, put on YouTube uh-huh. when we do that. So. <laughs> Right, we got to get the we we got to get Michael his uh, animated uh, persona avatar going so we can. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so, this is one of those shows that was on late at night. It was in syndication. I maybe caught one or two episodes of it ever, but I liked the aesthetic of it. It's it seemed I don't know very much of that time. <laughs> Yes. No, it is. It is very dated. You know, it kind of reminds me of like, like Nash Bridges or yes. something. I yeah. don't know. Just, yeah. just very like TV, not like TV today, which is pretty much like film on TV. Um, like this was like very like cheeky and campy. Um, and then this show itself went through a couple iterations. It was on NBC first and they were really making it much more detective-y and like, a lot of times harm would like literally catch the killer, which lawyers rarely catch the, uh, <laughs> the suspect or something like that. Um, and then uh, they dropped it and then CBS, CBS picked it up with the original showrunner who was like, that's not what I was going for at all. I really wanted it to be trial, a trial show with a little bit of action. So the later seasons um, are much more uh, courtroom based. So yeah. kind of depends on what episodes you were catching. Yeah, I was never... Uh, I was never a Jag watcher, so I can't speak. I can't speak as much to this one, but uh, well, there's a couple articles that say that he's the number one pick for a spy when you're making a team. Oh, okay, interesting. You wait until the fifth round. That doesn't speak well of your team leadership. Uh, <laughs> in this, <laughs> well, I guess it's up to me to make the last pick then, and uh, I've got so many different directions I could go with this pick that I, uh, Clayton Webb is off the board. Just so you know, the no, you mean the number one pick for a drafting yeah. a team of spies You're is going to try and steal it. In the the fifth round. I know you, I know you. I dare you to draft another web, Paul. <laughs> so we each have a web on our team. Charlotte. Oh man. Uh, uh, wait, so we all have a web. You don't have a web though. David Webb is Jason. Oh, Ward's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Man. Well, I've got, I've got a, one that would be the most ridiculous pick, but I think it's too fantastical uh, for the direction we've gone with this. Draft. Let's, nope. Let's, let's do, it. It. Let's do it. it. Let's do it. Let's see it. All do right. It, well, <laughs> technically in uh, the Transformers <laughs> films, Bumblebee <laughs> is a spy. That is his role in the original Transformers is to be okay, the spy. Ne- never <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, hard uh, now on that one. <laughs> uh, I told you. Okay, that was pretty fantastical. Yeah, so, no. Thank, we, you, we thank did, you for sharing. <laughs> we didn't have anyone with superpowers or anything. I thought but. you were gonna go with like uh, a worm tongue from Rohan <laughs> from Lord of the Rings or something like that. Uh, no, I do have one that's <laughs> That's a little, actually, I was going to say a little more grounded, but I'm not sure. Uh, I'm trying to figure out, there's a lot of espionage and uh, going undercover and even working for the government in this series of films. Um, But I don't know if you would, uh, I think it's probably as much of a spy as Carmen Sandiego is. Uh, So I think, you know, I'm going to really need someone that can pull 
my team together, someone who can uh, make them, you know, happy to work together, function as a team, almost become a family, if you will. And I think Dominic Toretto is the man for the job. Dominic Toretto starts out as a, as a thief, but by the end of the movie series is uh, being uh, enlisted by the government to uh, go undercover and uh, do some spy work. Oh, is he? Is that, is that a plot line? Oh, that's, like the la- that's like the last half of the series. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And there's a spinoff show about Tony Toretto called uh, Fast and Furious Spy Racers. And Dominic shows up in that as well. Who plays, who's Tony Toretto? Um, it's, it's his, it's Dom's cousin. And he is a spy that works for a government agency. And then sometimes Dom and Dom's crew shows up and helps him out. It's an animated show on Netflix. Oh, I was going to say, is this a cartoon? Yeah, it's an animated Netflix show about okay. that was Netflix was like, we're going to, we're going to purchase uh, six seasons of a show about Dominic Toretto's cousin. Are you kidding me? And they cancel so many other shows <laughs> after one. <laughs> There's six seasons of yeah so this was my other one that i was like it's kind of questionable that he's a spy but the other the other straight spies i've got are um just not as uh not as wild card (laughs) now paul i could i could interest you in another vin diesel character who is oh that's legitimately a spy Mm, he he was on my research list because of his vehicle expertise yeah but it's too late he picked dominic so so for the audience we're talking about xander Xander cage Cage. i should have gone xander cage just because it would be more like if we share the draft pick xander cage makes a lot more sense uh but I'll 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 stick with Dom since I've made the pick. I, like I'm not unhappy with Dom because they're basically the same character. Yeah, um, it's true. It's true. At this point, at this point, they have transformed Dom. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Dom became Xander Cage in a different set of movies. Uh, but that's why, like, I I should have gone with Xander Cage just to be like everyone on our list is pretty pretty obviously a spy, and Dominic is um a little more questionable. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys mind if I swap it? I mean, it's basically the same character. It's not changing the makeup I, I, of my I, team. I want you to have Dominic. Okay, I'm I'm happy <laughs> with Dominic. Like I said, he's he's got the leadership skills, he's got the driving skills, <laughs> he's got he's the got inability the, uh... <laughs> to get beat up in a fight. <laughs> it's so these are all points and, in his favor. Uh, the great, you know, most cheesy speeches. Winning's winning by an inch or a mile. You know, something for the team before right. you head he, out there. He and Harry Tasker are just going to be uh, one-liners. <laughs> just be going, like, competing on who's going to give the pitch to the team. He's One's going to give a speech. The other's going to give a speech. And they're going to go back and forth. And, yeah, and the one-liners coming from my team. I mean, Michael Weston, pretty good at one-liners, too. So mm, okay. uh, They're also going to just be locked in, like, the arm wrestling pose together. Just constantly. Um but yeah, no. But again, I, if if some if Hollywood was like we're putting out a movie about the Fast and Furious crew hunting down Ethan Hunt, would you not go see that? Like, I would go opening day to that film. I mean, 
That sounds like the most Hollywood of movies. So, yeah, it would probably do really well. Yeah, do you remember when, like, shows would just do the most random crossovers? And now... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, I didn't realize these were in the same universe. Yeah, any time they had a network with shows, you know, just having shows in the real world, they'd cross over. Mm -hmm. I feel like... um, you know, at this point, so shows are so obsessed with like universe building that nobody is going for that. But the most recent one I remember is um, Sleepy Hollow, which was a really yeah. fun show. I like Sleepy Hollow a lot. I mean, season one, you've got the Headless Horseman with like two machine guns just running through the town. It's like this show knows how campy it is. But they did a crossover episode with Bones. So hmm. the two leads from Bones oh, yes. came to Sleepy Hollow. That. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. they're trying to like, they're trying to solve, they're trying to do the mystery of the week in Sleepy Hollow, which is a supernatural mystery. And they're like, we've got these two like forensic specialists. So we need them to help, but we can't let them know that there's a real headless horseman. So they're trying to like take them through these like ruins and like, have them look at supernatural artifacts while at the same time being like, Oh, we're just kind of interested in this stuff for our murder investigation. Mm. Just look at it. Like it was uh, strange, but I loved it. And I wish more shows would just do insane. So that's my pitch is mission impossible. Fast and furious crossover. Mm-hmm. Let's make it happen. Sleepy hollow. I believe I saw it on Hulu. It is. It's on Hulu. It's available yeah. there. Now, my mind, when you mentioned Bones, I immediately pictured David Boreanaz, mm-hmm. and I was like, Angel on Sleepy Hollow, that makes sense. Yes, yeah. <laughs> there might have been, oh, there might have even been a joke about Angel. Oh, like he might have, that makes more sense to me than Bones. Like, he might have been like something like, oh, what are there, vampires here? You know, or like something. Oh, Hollywood would like that. I got to find that clip on YouTube or something. I don't remember if there was, but I feel like they might have signposted it and been like, yeah, we know David Boreanaz was in a, a supernatural show. All right. Well, uh, so yeah, so that I'm going to go, I'm going to go Dom, basically Xander Cage, uh, but great at family. And that's, I think, what I need. My team is a family with a ninja and a burnt CIA officer, and a, a traumatized CIA officer, and uh, a hulking man. So that's that's a family if I've ever seen one. Yeah, you need you need a glue to bind these people together. <laughs> uh, hey, real quick, let's talk about: Is Vin Diesel still technically an actor? okay because he was at first he was in uh saving private ryan iron giant boiler room um he he was i liked him actually as as the the riddick uh uh pitch pitch black yeah those Um, are decent movies yeah but then knock around guys um was a good uh small film but um he did some comedies like the Tooth Fairy movie. Oh, that's or, right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was kind of just doing your normal actor stuff. The Pacifier, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's the one you're talking about. Um, but like the last 10 years, it's only been fast Marvel mm-hmm. and that and and Triple X and Riddick. I mean, it's it's just like he's just he's assigned characters and then he just continues to make movies on them, and it doesn't feel like 
I don't know. I don't know who else does that. He feels very unique in that sense that he's just kind of like, nope, just give me a character. I'll just keep playing it movie after movie after movie. Um, never really, never really doing like when you go from like these big properties versus like just more one-off films, it's like a ratio of like 10 to one. It's like not even close. Mm -hmm. Like you think some actors, you know, like a, like a, uh, who's Captain America. What's his name? Chris Evans. Evans. He's in some, some stuff that where he plays like a normal person and stuff like that. So it just seems odd. He's just kind of like, I think he's just happy, which is great. I feel happy for him, but Mm -hmm. he's He's just not really. He's done a lot of producing. Mm, Okay. You know why? What, what what my thoughts are on this? Hmm. He cares about his family. (laughs) That's right. Right. Well, he, I mean, he's sort of the driving, it's, it's almost like he, you know, he's wanted to create a big franchise for himself. Cause like Riddick was a thing that he came up with and pushed for. Mm-hmm. And then triple X, I think was a thing that he tried to make happen. You know, mostly him pushing for it off the mm-hmm. back of making a few movies that, right. that but it was out. really ice cube who took it over the top. That's right. And then, uh, he's the driving force behind for sure. All of the fast and furious and then getting people, uh, people on board, but he's done. Yeah. If, if you look through his IMD, I mean, I think bloodshot was the last thing he did that wasn't Groot or Dominic. That was in 2020. So it wasn't super long ago. And then if you go, yeah, but go back, go back further and yeah, triple X and seven. So, uh, Billy 26, Lynn's, 2016. Yeah. yeah Billy, Billy Lynn's, Lynn's long halftime walk. I don't even know what drama. that is. <laughs> Directed by Ang Lee. So interesting. Huh. I wonder if there's like comic book oh, panels in it. This is a big look at this. Um, Kristen Stewart, Chris Tucker, Steve Martin. What is this? <laughs> I have never <laughs> even heard this of this thing until looking at Vin Diesel's uh, IMDb. Uh, okay. We need uh, to have an, a, a group watch party of this thing. It's an Iraq War veteran movie. <laughs> Oh, it grossed uh, it grossed one point seven million in the U.S. It sounds like it was a very oh. limited release. And stars uh, Joe Joe Alwyn. Recently uh, uh, separated Taylor Swift bow. <laughs> all right, we're gonna watch this. It's decided. We owe it to Vin. We owe it to Vin to watch his true. Work uh, his true craft shine. Ah, there's our there's a draft though. Non Fast and Furious, Riddick or Marvel Vin Diesel movies. That's a tough draft. You're, we're not going to make it to fifteen. So I can tell you that. Uh, I'm looking at Babylon right AD. Find me guilty. The pacifier. All right, we'll have Man some. Apart. There's not, there's if, not some. if we have it. Not if we have it. You must have seen the movie rule. So yeah, then we're then then we're rough. And congrats to the number one pick who gets the Iron Giant. <laughs> I'll take Saving Private Ryan. One and two, pretty good yeah. punch. Yeah. <laughs> number right. three. Well, number three's number three's out of luck. All right. I sorry. I just wanted. I just wanted. I, I've always thought about that for Vin Diesel, and he doesn't come up much in the pod. I'm not surprised. So uh, I really wanted to use that opportunity to talk about my. That my may be the most incendiary question that has been asked on this pod. We might get some feedback from people about that question. I hope Vin is listening. Is. 
Oh yeah, we got to put his name in the description so in case he's I, googling himself. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the Skip Bayless of this podcast. I'm just gonna insult people. You're just gonna pick fights. I'm just gonna pick fights, insult people, see who shows up. Ah, oh, there's another, there's another actor that we picked a fight with at one point, but now I don't remember who it was. There's only so one. To... <laughs> That's a little surprising. <laughs> I'm sure there's other actors we have offended, but. Uh, there was one specifically that uh, one of us like went after, and now I don't remember. We, we need to. We need. This is where we need a database. Uh, like a big obsessive <laughs> audience who can be like, oh yes, oh yeah. Here's a list yeah. of feuds that you, yeah. you all started. Yeah, I know. I listen to pods where they're like, "What was that one thing we were talking about?" And then the next week they're like, "Hey, you know, Kyle wrote in, and they were like, they told us it was this episode when we talked about that." So yeah. if we want to do that with question and answer time, I'm pretty sure Jordan could help us out. My question and answer time. Who have we feuded with? Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Jordan's a regular listener, but I don't I don't know if he's a internet obsessive regular listener. But well, listeners, I think that rounds out our three teams. Uh, we need to give you the pitch for why you think our teams uh, or why we think our teams could take out Ethan Hunt and his IMF crew if they had gone rogue. So uh, we'll start with Michael. We'll give you a pitch and then we'll tell you how you can vote on which team you think has the best shot. Michael, you kick us off. Running things from behind the scenes, my computer guy, gadget wizard. I've got Wade, the boy genius from Kim Possible. In the field, we've got several really talented agents. We've got Jason Bourne, master of all things martial arts and driving. We've got Philip Jennings from The Americans, who is excellent at spycraft, can transform himself with very minimal uh, changes to his appearance. So with the whole masking technology in Mission Impossible. He's just going to be able to trick anyone and everyone. We've got Gabby Teller from The Man From U.N.C.L.E., who is a British spy who speaks German and was deep undercover in East Germany. Wonderful mechanic, great at hand-to-hand combat. And then we've got Carmen Sandiego, who is trained up from a baby in all things spycraft and has since gone out on her own to dismantle the evil organization, Vile. So going after some rogue agents like Ethan Hunt and his crew should be no problem. All right, Cameron here. Um, We have the... uh... Government of the agency briefing us through Clayton Webb, uh, experienced being a deputy director of CIA, so he knows how to uh, deliver the message to the team and get things going in the right direction. Jack Ryan handling our uh, analysis and strategy, try to figure out um, how we're going to catch Ethan and his team. Um, then we have Elizabeth Salander, who's going to be working our uh, cyber hacking um, as the uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Now she's not the actual girl with the dragon tattoo, right? She is. Like, I've never. Re- is, oh, she is. Yes. Okay, so she's the uh, girl with the dragon tattoo. Um, uh, and then we have Elam Elam Garrick um, from the Alpha Quadrant, Deep Space Nine, former spy with the Cardassian 
Obsidian Order. Um, he will do anything and everything that the mission requires of him. So no issues getting our hands dirty here. And finally, we have Harry Hart, our very uh, picturesque spy. Um, he'll be the face of our team out in the field, um, but uh, it'll be a, a team effort here to capture Ethan Hunt. And my team here, we are going to be led by Harry Tasker, extraordinary CIA agent, great at subterfuge, great at combat, pulling a team together. He took his family, a bunch of people who didn't even know he was a spy, totally untrained, got them to carry out a mission together. So he clearly knows how to improvise and think on his feet. Then we've got Joseph Turner, CIA analyst and code breaker. He also went through a situation where he was tossed in on the deep end, having to be a, a field agent and he pulled through. And so he is, uh, he's going to be sort of our analyst behind the scenes. And then of course, if you're out in the field, you're going to have to improvise a lot. We've also got Michael Weston, extraordinary spy. He can take anything he finds in the room and turn it into the solution to whatever problem we have. Then we've got uh, a sneaking around doing the, the scouting spy work kind of stuff. Jinx, uh, been trained as a ninja by multiple masters and multiple ninja organizations. So she's got a plethora of skills that she can bring to the table. And then finally, we've got to have someone who can turn our team into a family and who can handle all of our transportation needs. And who better to do that than one Dominic Toretto pulling up the car out back, everyone hopping in, going on a chase. So that is my team. Listeners, you can uh, vote on the winner of this episode. If you're listening on Spotify, you just scroll down. The poll is right there. Vote on who you think has the team most likely to take out Ethan Hunt and his crew. And then um, if you're not on Spotify, but you are listening on your phone, there is a link that you can click. It'll open the Spotify app up to our podcast. You can vote on this episode. And then, um, as we mentioned up top, we'll also have a question that you can post a response to and you have a chance to get a shout out at the top of the show. So um, guys, any kind of alternates that you uh, might have considered before going with the picks that you did? Uh, I was considering Austin powers just for a fun pick. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But, uh, also I was considering Q from James Bond as opposed to James Bond. So, mm. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Uh, re related to Austin Powers, I considered Harry Palmer, who was sort of the inspiration Michael Caine character. Michael Caine played him in three movies based on the books and then two additional movies he played the character. Uh, but he was sort of the 60s spy that was the inspiration for Austin Powers. So Austin Powers' look is kind of a spoof of Michael Caine in those movies. And that was why Michael Caine ended up playing nigel powers in the series because oh. of the homage to him what, what um, were the movies called um it's so the the first one is um the ipcress files is the name of the first one and then there is funeral in berlin and billion dollar brain and i think those are the three uh those are the three movies that were based on the books and then Michael Caine also played him in Bullet to Beijing and Midnight in uh, mm. St. Petersburg. And then um, the other spy that I considered was um, Emma Peel from the old Avengers TV show. Mm -hmm. 
Yep, I saw her on a couple lists. I had Penelope Garcia, whose hacker name was the Black Queen from Criminal Minds. I thought she would be a good computer person, and she worked in a team. Yeah. So not necessarily a spy, but she was an alternate. Oh, so in my research, looking for Masters of Disguise. Oh, yeah. I came I came upon the Dana Carvey Master of Disguise. I saw, yeah, I saw that late <laughs> in the in the recording. I didn't see it on a list of Masters of Disguise, but you know, it comes up in the internet results and I saw the snapshot of the Rotten Tomatoes, so I clicked on it. That movie, what do you think its tomato score is? Low. 16. Five it is the lowest score I've seen. It is a one percent. One. Wow. It is a one percent. I think I might have brought this up before, but uh, there's a story that I hear told a lot where they were filming Master of Disguise when 9-11 happened. And he was in the turtle suit costume that he wears in the movie. If I, I haven't watched the movie, but if you've seen the trailer, he's dressed up as a turtle at one point. He goes, turtle, turtle. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he was in that costume and 9-11 happened and he came out mm-hmm. to like speak to the crew to be like, you know, we're shutting down filming and this huge, horrible, momentous thing is happening. But he had to give that talk to the crew while dressed up as a giant turtle. That's got to be just the most surreal moment in Dana Carvey's life. That sounds like something from a skit show. (laughs) That's like an I think you should leave episode. Exactly. That is (laughs) so farcical. I can't believe that really happened. Very sad. Yes. Unreal. uh, So, yeah. Yeah. That's my my Dana Carvey story. Wow. Other spy alternates. Thanks to Sarah. Uh recommended this series from daniel silva that's uh cameron's sister-in-law sarah uh daniel silva's got a character called gabrielle alon and he is an art restorer Mm. and Mossad agent so he's a he's a, a spy that uh his day job is an art restorer and so he travels all around that's his cover I, I kind of li- I like it when somebody has like a side job that's or, or, or mm-hmm. you know that's a rip, but they actually know what to do with that you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they talk about how he's renowned mm. for this and actually has steady work from this this gig. Uh, so I finished that book this past week, the the Kill Artist. Um, I've been doing audiobooks, and so I listened to that one, and then I also am currently listening to the spy that came in from the cold. Mm. Oh yeah. Classic. Yeah. So thought those fit with our spy themed show today. Got some alternates from that. Chuck Bartowski from Chuck was another one mm-hmm. I considered, but I didn't know if uh, I would get to include the intersect as part of that pick or not, um, which is sort of a big deal. So, all right. Well, that I think probably wraps us up for this episode. Uh, as always, listeners, thanks for tuning in. This episode of What's on Draft will self-destruct in five seconds.
I think that's the same sign-off from the other Mission Impossible episode. I'm not going to lie. But I will go back and listen to it.